Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, it's State of State. We got your Nittany Line update. It's a football discussion with Tom and Justin. So kick back and press play. With former Penn State and NFL defensive back Justin King, I'm Tom Hannafin. This is State of State. This podcast is presented by Bet Online. College football season is in full swing, and the last of the major pro sports leagues are off and rolling. Bet Online remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests. College basketball is ready to go. The NFL, college football, and the NHL are all in play right now. Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. All the basketball betting action, along with every sport available at your fingertips, with both desktop and and mobile access for every sport anytime. Head to betonline.ag today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Don't forget to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. State of State is presented by BetOnline, where the game starts. Also, State of State is a proud supporter of Blue White Outfitters. Blue White Outfitters was created as a retail shop meant to highlight the confidence, competitiveness, and fear of the elite athletes found throughout the history of Penn State University. Check out the latest Lockdown U and Lawn Boys merchandise today. All sales from Blue White Outfitters directly benefit Penn State student-athletes. Visit www.bluewhiteoutfitters.com today. And if you're looking for the perfect beer for Penn State football season, we've got you covered with the State IPA. Special thanks to our friends at Funk Brewing for creating the best tailgate and game day beer for Nittany Lion fans. A limited supply of the State IPA is still available now at beer distributors, grocery stores, Funk's tap rooms, plus select bars and restaurants. Visit www.funkbrewing.com slash beers slash state dash IPA to learn where and how you can get state IPA before it runs out for the season. Check out the link in the description of this podcast for more information. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Penn State takes care of business on the road against Maryland by a score of 51 to 15. This was very, very encouraging. This was fantastic. Thank you all so much for joining us for the live post-game recap show here on our YouTube channel. This will post later on our audio-only platforms. Like, comment, subscribe, turn on notifications, and rate us. Thank you all so very much for doing that. Uh, I just want to say something because Justin is too humble to do it. In regard to analyzing this football team, there's probably no better analyst on the national level, regional level, podcast, TV, radio, then Justin King, when it comes to understanding what this team is all about from a mental standpoint, from an athletic standpoint, and then breaking down the individual games themselves. Because Justin, just about everything you said on the preview episode of this game happened. It's like Mystic JK came out and all of a sudden it was like, yeah, you know, Drew throwing that pick uh, against Indiana, man, he probably just, you know, Got it out of his system. He can play freely now. And I was like, that seems like exactly what happened. <laughs> Man, you never know, right? Get out there as an athlete. He can start ripping that thing, making uh, throws between the uh, middle of the hashes, really spreading the football around, getting the tight ends involved, and obviously having 
Uh, K-Tron, I mean, carrying the ball, what, 6.5 yards a carry and really, what, 91 yards on 14 carries, really being effective on the ground and um, really making smart decisions. And, like, even, like, the flip at the at the goal line, they get it in there, just really showing some character and flair into his game and just letting go a little bit and, and really making plays along with making the right decisions, right? Four touchdowns, zero interceptions, so we're not talking careless play, but really showing the elite traits that we talked about him coming into the season. Jason Minetti and Brock Hewitt, I believe, were the commentators for this game on Fox. I thought they did a spectacular job. And one thing that they pointed out was that the way the offense was being run, formations, play scheme in this game reminded them very much of the style of offense that Drew Aller was playing in high school. Would you agree that this is the first game this season that that play calling, that play style looked that way? Uh, yes, but I also would like have the correlation of the effect, the, uh, efficient run game. When you talk about how Catron was running the football, just up, up and down, I mean, he was really making plays throughout, throughout the game to where there was, they loosened up the defense and getting the tight ends involved at the same time. I think that's something that correlates to those type of passes, opening up the middle of the field, right? Where you see those different, um, mismatches and, uh, just matchups for Drew to take advantage of. And I think that's exactly what he did today, even getting um, running rub routes throughout the whole day and then running like almost like a little bit of a rub and go concept with Keandre Lambert and just hitting him in the middle of the field, but showing his arm strength and accuracy and putting the guys on the outside in a, in a good position to make plays. Like, like I said, Dante Sivas having a coming out party, making some nice plays, two touchdowns and really just show starting to show like, okay, this is what he can, this is what he can do. And so it just show and like the different weapons being able to highlight themselves from, you know, Drew being a, uh, delivering the football is what we wanted to see all year. And this is what that balance attack looks like in its ideal form. We always say when it's underneath the identity and there's some, uh, flow to it, when you're getting first down, you're talking about 24 first downs today. So you're seeing like an aesthetically pleasing offense. It's good to have a, a balanced attack where you're, Throwing the ball to the sidelines, eight, 10 yards. Okay, we're getting a chunk play at 20 yards. Oh, here's one for 35 here. Let's run the ball for five, six yards. Having that rhythmic offense, I think, is what James always talks about when he's like, the balanced offense is what our ideal thing is. Because when you're attacking a defense like that, it is hard to stop in different ways. And when you get extra possessions, you have 51, 15 victories. <laughs> it's not bad. And a lot of that scoring, not a lot of that scoring, but I'd say an additional what, almost 20 points, kind of got tacked on in the last few minutes there of the fourth quarter. Like, Bo Perbula gets a late touchdown, a couple of like field goals. Like, it just kind of added up. Uh, thank you all so much for joining us in the comments section. We really appreciate it. Also, the super chat function is engaged. So if you want to donate to the channel, that goes towards the effort of us doing things like this more often. So thank you very much, Julian. Uh, back again, we are Penn State. That's how we do it. Uh, good evening to you too as well, Julian. Uh, Eli getting involved. Great win by the Lions. A question for you guys. Are there going to be more variations of the bow package? Okay, Justin, we finally saw... The Bo Brabula quarterback two package with the ones in this game. Now we saw it, I believe, for two total plays. There's the little gadget play that you just kind of touched on it. Drew Auer ultimately gets the ball and then he flipped it to Theo Johnson for the touchdown. So uh, it seemed like a little bit of a broken play just because of the way the defense played it. Nothing that Bo or Drew did wrong. And then you saw Bo try and come in uh, later. I think it was in the second quarter. And he was just trying to get outside and he slipped and it just didn't really go anywhere. But you and I were talking about this before we started recording. 
the Ohio State game, you couldn't even execute your base offense. So the the point you made after the show, again, extremely astute, was you're not going to go deep into the playbook when you can't run your bread and butter. Okay, that would have been a good game to maybe roll out this package. To put it out against Maryland, the way things were going, was it necessary? I don't know. It certainly could have provided a little spark. However, it puts it on film, and it gives something for Michigan to think about for next week. When you saw that package out there, what did you think of the limited visibility we got of it? I think they were trying to also get out of a little bit of a slump on the offensive side from the past two weeks. So just showing up, throwing a little wrinkle in there, but they started off the game being efficient on offense, getting first downs and moving this change. So when you're moving the ball effectively, running the ball, I mean, you can run the ball more than one ways. I think sometimes a screen pass or a jet, a screen pass is another way of looking at a run play. It's just a perimeter, a perimeter run. So when you put in a, a broker Bula package early and he's still continuing to run the ball because we haven't seen too many passes. So that's why we like to see there's a little bit of a counter off of that. But it, it seemed like it fit within the flow of the offense and how it was going today. And it didn't seem forced, right? Because we were still, again, winning for, winning on first down and then converting on third down and also making big plays and getting the tight ends involved. So it was just another form of a running back to help out Catron because we looked at Nick, Nick Singleton. I mean, he had a little bit of trouble getting started with 2.5 yards of carry. And again, another form of running the football. So does that package diversify? I don't know because it, it, it's kind of hard to throw in a whole one B offense within an offense that we're still seeing develop and mature throughout the season. Cause like, I mean, I, I would think all the Penn state fans, I would, I, I like how the offense looks today and I will look at what that continue to happen and we'll see Bo fit within that form. So like uh, defenses can't get a beat on it, but I think it's good for them to put on the film going against a team like uh, Michigan because He's just been shown to run. So let's see if there's any counters and different things of that because he's also a dynamic athlete. If you're Michigan, you saw those handful of plays where he is with the ones, and then you have seen a decent amount of him in mop-up duty, kind of like we saw today where he got the touchdown, same thing against West Virginia late in the game. He's gotten in late in games where it was like, hey, you're, you're resting the ones, you're giving him a chance to run the base offense. How much can Michigan glean from that considering it's – it, it, it is apples to oranges in terms of comparison. Like how much is that a coaching staff or analysts or whomever looking at the film and guessing, well, they could do this and they might do that. And they, I think this could happen. I mean, I, I'm a firm believer of not chasing ghosts, right? So I, I played to what they've put on film because there's a level of it. It's been somewhat successful. I mean, we've seen the past early against Northwestern when he did the fake Fake draw, the fake nil, yep. the fake nil yeah. for a touchdown. So, like, there's things that have been put on film where he's been effective. So, I think there's been enough things where where Bo's been in there for the defense to prepare when he comes into the game to um, for certain plays or situations that he's going to be in. So, it's up to the offense again and type of play calling that they put in front of him before they put him in the game, right? It's real easy if it's like just stale throughout the whole game. It's like, hey, let's put this package in. Defense is going to probably tee off on him. Mm -hmm. But if you're moving the football and you're you're having effective wins and getting the third and manageable downs, then you throw those wrinkles in and throw that curveball. But it's like you can't get your base pitches and the fundamentals down. Keep that thing tight. <laughs> Gives you options. A lot Absolutely. of options. 
Paul jumping in here. Uh, great, uh, great game. Now take care of Michigan next Saturday. I completely understand that and agree with that. And Julian, what an absolute butt whipping we laid on the Turtles. Uh, Eli, once again, getting in here. I believe this was a confidence booster for next week. Hopefully we see this game's Lions show up next week. We are going to need everything. Uh, just kind of off of that sentiment, Justin, I think the, the fan base was certainly bummed after that Ohio State loss, justifiably so. And the Indiana game this past week, yeah, you got to win at home, but it just didn't feel inspiring. This felt inspiring. And you and I talked about this is this is such a tough Maryland team to predict. They're now on a four-game losing streak. So I think it's kind of evident like they are what they are, that old adage. But again, you know, the head scratcher about Maryland, they played Ohio State tough. Their pass rush was good. Their defense was good for about three quarters. So part of me was like, man, they, they could put up a good fight here. And it just it, it didn't shake out that way against Maryland today. They seemed disjointed on defense, a lot of broken coverages altogether. And then uh, credit to Talia. I, I've knocked his game. He is talented, but I've knocked what you know his deficiencies. 22 of 25 in the first half came out with 17 straight completions overall on the game. And then individually uh, to end the game, he was 29 of 39 with two touchdowns and interception. He was sacked six times. So this was, I mean, like the defense at Penn State played fantastic. And at the same time, it's like, oh, man, this that, that's what you expected from the defense, even with no Chop Robinson still. He is still out of the lineup, and I'm sure he would have liked to have played his former school. But this gave you a lot of motivation going into the Michigan game. What did you think? I think it does, right? On the 51-15, and winning at every phase of the football game gives me confidence. Where it wasn't, I can say, an ugly win, but there was just like the emergence of, I like Dante Cephas getting involved. I like even seeing Tony Rojas make a, a, a strip sack at the end of the game and just showing different dynamics of putting the uh, bow, uh, bow package in early in the game. I like how Catron was running the football. We were manhandling at the line of scrimmage. At, uh, Adisa still making plays, causing turnovers, like the fundamentals of the football game, even from the back end, having a little bit of penalties, but still locking the defense down on the on the on the back end and just having um just having just a, a full totality wins on the football team is what you're looking for. And to dominate a football team like Maryland like this is a great win. And it's a it's a confidence booster after the past two weeks, after even winning last week and still hearing the noise of how people are disgruntled or it's an ugly win and things like that. But this was a, a good fundamental sound butt kicking, right? And that's a good feeling to go into next week where you got Michigan rolling in the Happy Valley. Jeffrey jumping in the comments here. Hopefully Drew will have time to go through his progressions against Michigan. Uh, I think the point there is that he had all the time in the world today. Credit to the offensive line. They played very, very well. You pretty much had your full complement of weapons in terms of the offensive line. J.B. Nelson looked very, very good. Vanga Yuane got in there and just moved human beings around. Drew Shelton got his reps. Caden Wallace was solid. You bounced around with Hunter Norzad also. Really nice game. A lot of those games where uh, – a lot of those plays, rather, where it's the, uh, the brotherly shove. You're kind of doing that scrum play from the origins of football. He is doing very well. He's doing his best Jason Kelsey impression. Sal Wormley, Olufashanu, excellent games. Drew had a ton of time, so he's able to pick guys apart. And Michigan is going to be different. They, they have an outstanding pass rush, and they have an outstanding front seven altogether. Um, from the limited 
amounts that you've gotten to see Michigan. What do you think Drew's going to experience next week uh, in that respect, in terms of having time? Uh, he's not going to have much time. They're going to send nice. blitzes at him. Um, they're going to man up on the back end. Uh, they're going to be aggressive on the receivers, and they're going to try to play bully ball and like apply pressure to him. I, I think that's going to be the game plan and how Jim Harbaugh attacks uh, offenses. And I think the defense is going to be the same exact way. Um, so I, I think you just gotta come ready to ready for a heavyweight uh, boxing match. To be honest with you, <laughs> I agree. I think that's exactly what it's gonna be. Uh, Kabindra in the comments section here. Um, my gosh, what happened to Nick Singleton? He can't run through tackles the same way Allen can. Singleton hype train has been a major disappointment. Won't be surprised if he transfers next year. Allen, running back number one. Justin, what do you think? And I'm, I'm sad to say that. I mean, I, I'm not a mad at or I understand like the transfer portal scares with Nick Singleton when you see someone like Katron really come into his own and continue around the football. Right. You can't can't argue with productivity. Like every time that he gets the football, I mean, it's whether it's making tackles, uh, making the first defender miss, getting uh, chunks of yards, always having positive carries and just carrying the football in a very efficient manner. I mean, it makes you start to question, but I think you can't negate Nick Singleton as an asset and a weapon, right? There's a lot of times when Saquon Barkley was here where he just rushing the football wasn't as effective as he was as just a playmaker from a kick return standpoint, from catching the ball out of the backfield screens and different things of that nature. So I think it's up to the coaching staff to use him in different ways. You still seen him have a 50 yard return on the kickoff, uh, on the kickoff return today. Um, still has uh, plenty of um he's still of a threat in the out in the, in the space from the backfield catching the football and so as long as they keep using him in creative ways and getting him out in space i think that's the task of the offensive staff at this point but just from running the football some things probably have to shake up a little bit to the point Kabindra made um running in between the tackles no argument, Katron Allen is better in that facet of the game right now. I think that's just very obvious to anybody that watches the game. Nick, you know, they were talking about on the broadcast, so like, oh, he squats, you know, 535 pounds for five reps. And I was like, okay, so he obviously is a freak athlete. Like, these are not, you know, this is, this is a, not a bad athlete by any means. Right. But I think there was a ceiling that even in his freshman year, you could feel, not that, it, oh, it's his overall ceiling or something like that. It's just a, a barrier for him to break through in terms of his next level of progression. And I just don't think he's found that. And I, the, the thing that makes me nervous about the transfer portal or NIL or any of that stuff, Justin, is that, you know, who knows what Nick Singleton's really feeling about how he's doing right now and his place on the team, all those things. But if he were to transfer somewhere else, say that, he's still going to have to break through all those same obstacles and it's beating the man in the mirror. It's not other teams. It's, it's the things he has to do to get better. And does he feel like he can accomplish those things at Penn state or would it be better for him to be somewhere else? I'm of the mind that he can absolutely accomplish those things at Penn state and everything that he said publicly, same thing with James Franklin, the entire coaching staff, Juwan Sider, who I know you know very intimately there, there's no issue. There's no character problem. There's no lack of work ethic. There's none of these things. So I, I think it's just a matter of Katron didn't have the same hype 
as Nick coming in. So we all underestimated him. And Catron just made progress a little bit faster. Who's to say by next season, you don't see Nick go past Catron and it's a, a horse race just back and forth of these guys. I, that's kind of what I feel is that Nick's deficiencies as a running back are just a matter of time and progression and him learning these things. When you watch his game, what what does he need to fix? I mean, sometimes it's a level of patience, I think, off top. But I, even when I go to that, I don't even think there's something that he needs to fix. So I feel like the way he runs the football this year is the same way he ran the football last year. He was just running into different situations. And it's like being used and finding different creases. I don't think his vision has gone down. I don't feel like his quickness has changed. I don't think he's lost a step or anything like that. So I don't have a critique. I mean, he is this is just the type of football player that he is. He's like a dasher. Um, he's an open open field threat. And just sometimes maybe his elusivity between the tackles lacks, but he makes up for it for having an elite trait of being a 225-pound running back that runs 4-4 and does all the good things when we saw the big runs last year. Like, that's what made those things happen. So now it's up to the coaching staff to put him in the position to be in space a little bit more, right? Last year, I think we were using him and Catron in more interchangeable ways and seeing maybe being surprised by Catron's uh, productivity from that standpoint, but Internally, I mean, everybody knew he was a very good running back. And again, uh, Nick Singleton was returning kicks and doing different things from a threat standpoint. I think that he still is that. So I, I just think some teams play him a little bit differently in towards his running style. He, I mean, he has to figure out how to, I mean, make people miss between the line of scrimmage or from zero to two yards, but he's been getting hit in the backfield. Like, it's not like... He's just running by, like running into um, offensive linemen, or he's missing the holes, or different things like that. He's just it happens as a running back, but it now it's up to the coaching staff to get him out in the open field to so he can show his talents. Even though the fall can feel jam packed, Hello Fresh makes whipping up a home cooked dinner actually doable with quick and easy options, including their fifteen minute meals. That's less time than it takes to get delivery, and with everything pre-portioned and delivered right to your door every week. It really is a no-brainer. Some of my personal favorites, the pub-style shepherd's pie is delicious, and the fully loaded pork taquitos, two of my favorite dishes. And Justin, on top of that, they're healthy, they're fresh, and they save me time and money. Talk about convenience, something that tastes good and saving money. I mean, it's essential in my life where I'm just running around, whether it's podcast, talent management, dealing with my daughter and tennis and moving around and having a healthy, convenient meal that saves money on the grocery bill and just the food budget is amazing. It's a plus one in my book. You hit the nail on the head. We all know HelloFresh takes the hassle out of mealtime, but did you know it can also save you money? HelloFresh is 25% less expensive than takeout. So that means you can get an easy home-cooked meal on the table and more money back in your pocket. So head to HelloFresh.com slash 50Lion and use code 50Lion, that's 50-L-I-O-N, for 50% off plus free shipping. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash 50Lion and use the code 50Lion, 50-L-I-O-N, for 50% off plus free shipping. Hello Fresh, America's number one meal kit. I, I feel like it 
it's just bound to happen. And it's a matter of patience for, for everybody all together. Uh, Rob getting in the comments section here. Look great today. Great game to build off for next week. Another thing from Rob, I think if the passing game continues to improve, it's going to open up the running lanes. Uh, it, again, it's the old adage, Justin, of complimentary football. The running game was solid today, and thusly the passing game developed. And yes, if you're able to throw the ball over the top, you're not going to see as many guys in the box, and that happened today. But it was just this constant back and forth by Mike Yurcich. The play calling, I thought, was excellent. It constantly kept Maryland um, off their game. And then even looking at the rushing totals, here's the thing that I think is overlooked about this game. Yes, Katron Allen, uh, 14 for 91, six and a half yards per carry, uh, and a touchdown, a long of 19. You and I were talking about that Tank Smith as the uh, the lone explosive for the season, so it was nice to see. <laughs> uh, he's got some company now, which is great. Uh, Nick Singleton, eight for uh, a total of 22 and a half yards per carry. Obviously not what he would want in that department. Bo Prabula, nine for 12 altogether. That's kind of adjusted because of um, sacks, that sort of thing. Uh, 1.3 yards per carry. Drew Aller, four for 39, a long of 21, 9.8 yards per carry. I don't want to see Drew Aller run the ball the way that Trace McSorley and Sean Clifford had designed quarterback runs. It was the fact that he was playing loose. He was playing freely. And when he saw opportunities, like he wanted that one bubble screen in the first half and he saw a hole just open up and he's like, oh, I'll just go get 21 yards right here. Like it's just smart football. And I don't know if you would have seen that from Drew a handful of weeks ago. He just seemed he seemed like a different person today. And especially the big thing for me, Justin, it was a freaking road game where we've talked about some of his road games. Illinois came out a little bit, came out against Northwestern. And then finally against Maryland, it was like, okay, this is what I'm talking about. And the Ohio State game was also another game where it was like, okay, not his best day. He'll be the first person to say that. But this was finally a breakthrough for him in, in so many capacities. It was really exciting. He looked like he was having fun, right? Like he looked like he was just running around throwing the football like he had control of the offense. He knew where he was going with the football. And when he wasn't, his first option wasn't there, he didn't panic. He was like, oh, I'm just out here playing with the boys. Like you said, running around, making plays and doing different things of that nature, like the 21-yard stumble uh, down the field. Like he was just making plays. And like you love to see that happen, man. So like I thought he played with a weight off of his shoulder today. And I mean, I think the, the the stat line shows and I mean, the score reflects that. Uh, Josh getting involved here. Penn State football needs to implement more offensive sets packages for Perbula, which we talked a little bit about before, who can force Michigan to account for his run skill sets uh, altogether. Uh, I, I agree with that, and we kind of touched on that before, is that, yeah, I think this being put on tape in this game is in a way to just give Michigan something else to worry about going into next week. Uh, Julian here, uh, speaking of Michigan, make Michigan one-dimensional in regard to Penn State's defense against Michigan's offense. Let's see what J.J. McCarthy has got. There is so much swirling around this Michigan team right now, Justin. This whole sign-stealing scandal. Every other day, there is a clip that comes out of Connor Stallions sneaking you know, into a stadium or he's whispering something to their OC or he's whispering something to Jim Harbaugh, reports from uh, the TCU head coach last season of a couple drives into the game in the college football playoff. It's like, oh, they have all our signs. Let's just switch everything up. And, and shocking, it looked like leather helmet, Navy, Army, Air Force football for Michigan that they 
they're built to run the ball. They're not built to play with a lead or they're built to play with a lead. Excuse me. They're not built to come from behind. It's just, I, I don't know what we're going to get next weekend, which you asked me this a couple of days ago. I'd have been like, eh, I'm a little nervous. Like now I'm like, okay, Penn state has momentum. So uh, in your opinion, JJ McCarthy, many are saying could be a Heisman hopeful, uh, could be a, a, the Heisman winner. If things fall his way this year. What does Penn State have to do defensively against this Michigan team? I mean, the, the obvious thing is stop the run, right? Because, like, you don't want them to be able to get five, ten, five or six yards of a clip and still have the ability to throw in movement passes and play action, um, attacks, screens, and just have the whole playbook completely open. But keeping them, Michigan, a, a one dimensional team is harder, I mean, it's easier said than done. I mean, this is a great football team coming in there, but I think the main thing that they need to come in with is stopping the run and make sure that's all sealed up. Because I think on the perimeter, we match up well with them and just speed on defense. I think, again, the matchup is there. I think when you come down to the physicality and how they run their offense, that's the thing we need to just make sure we take care of. Mm -hmm. uh, Matthew hopping in the comments section here, maybe the Ohio State loss sparked something in Drew. We kind of touched on that before, but I I'd say it's more what Justin had talked about in the, re in the preview episode that we did for Penn State versus Maryland is that that interception he threw late against Indiana. I think it was just, all right, it's finally off his mind. 311 passing attempts to start a career in college football without an interception truly astonishing the next closest was robert griffin the third with 209 to put it in perspective wow. it's really crazy so like that pressure had to be on his mind to a degree of just being uber careful with the ball now it's like hey man <laughs> that's that's gone now but the thing for me you know drew as focused on something a lot of people are going to pay attention to the wide receivers keandre lambert smith eight for 95 uh, Dante Cephas, a coming out party, and I want to get to him six for 53 and two touchdowns. But then you have between your three starting tight ends, Warren, Johnson, and Dinkins, eight receptions and close to 100 yards and two touchdowns. Or I'm sorry, nine receptions, close to 100 yards and two touchdowns. I freaking love it. This is what we talked about this past week. You have emphasized this. James Franklin has said it himself. Our best group of pass catchers are tight ends. Can Penn State still do those so the same things to Michigan? Because I think Michigan will be able to stack up just slightly better, but still, like, how do you go up against three dudes that are like all 6'5, 250 and can run a 4'4 four, four or less? I mean, because football is a one-on-one -on -one football game. Everyone says it's a team versus team, but I always say it's a one-on-one -on -one game. So going into Michigan, the football, the Penn State football team has to have that mentality of when you're one-on-one matchups because they're going to challenge them and play man to man. So whether it's Khalil, I mean, whether it's Dinkins, whether it's um Thea, all the all the tight ends, Tyler, they have to beat the linebackers and the safeties when they're matched up with them and you know, make plays. And especially on the outside too. I think when you got they have a elite defensive back over there and it's going to be up to Keandre to have separation and make the big play and take those shots. I think when we play big teams like that, putting the pressure and applying the pressure is always a positive, even having a balanced attack, but a still a balanced attack with a, a with an attacking spear attached to it, I think is the best approach for this offense to have. And what that means is like making plays and beating the guy across from you. 
let's talk about the wide receivers because Keandre had a very nice game. That injury scare at the end, I was like, ooh, I just I'm glad to see that he was okay. Because right. after after Keandre, then you start being like, okay, you have more project wide receivers than anything. Uh, one of those projects being Dante Cephas. And you talked about it before we started, you know, on the air here. This was a coming out party for Dante. What did you see from Cephas? He was playing free. He seemed like he was having fun. You know, having, he was engaged in the in the blocking. He had a little, a couple of double catches early, where he had the great uh, attempt or the effort and just the the fade in the end zone. He didn't catch it, but um, he just seemed to be playing free and understanding his assignments today uh, on just executing the plays, right, and then getting a chance to make some plays. I, I think that's what we saw from him. He just seemed a little more sure out there when he was moving around and just like with a lot of uh, good energy. Can you put it in perspective, you know, this guy transferred from Kent State, a Mac school. We put up a lot of big numbers. Transfers to Penn State, huge jump altogether. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, you know, he had to be on campus at Kent State until May to finish up his studies. Then he gets here in the summer and he didn't have the benefit of winter workouts and spring ball and the spring game. How far behind does that put anybody in his position considering the smaller level of competition that he was coming from? And I know a lot of people I saw on social media like, where's this guy been for eight games? And it was like, the truth of the matter is that it just maybe took him that long to get comfortable and understand things and really feel like he was locked in. Transition is hard regardless. I don't care where you're coming from. Transition from high school to Penn State is hard. Transition from Penn State to Florida State, Penn State, Kent State to Penn State. Like wherever the transition is, like transition is tough. And when you're getting ingratiated with a new offensive uh, coordinator, quarterback, a whole program, I mean, at a different level as well, I mean, it's tough. And then on the other hand, you have to build – you have to build your trust with the coaches and like you're getting there in the summer when like it's crunch time. So like whatever that process is of building that relationship with coaches, that has to be established. And sometimes it takes eight weeks within the season when the bullets are flying to be like, all right, this is what you're going to do when we're outside of practice, whatever the case may be, because like, yeah, there's expectations as a transfer portal person, but as, as a transfer portal prospect, but at the same time, the coaches have to trust you to, perform and you have to feel that you're trusted by the coaches to let loose and not be scared when you're running routes or thinking too much or being in your head about different route adjustments or whatever it might come with the new offense right and so that takes time so i think that's just something that happens when he comes in the summer and i think we're just watching a transition but we're just in the age of sports media or just sports in general where it's microwave and we want to see things happen right now we see you know, quarterbacks or freshmen come in and perform well, and we don't give time for that uh, development or just transition period that really take place. Uh, the the need for instant gratification. That's uh, the go. social media era. So as a millennial, I can say that. Uh, Rob, <laughs> agree. They uh, they all looked loose, played to win today instead of playing not to lose. Um, I don't know if they've played this season not to lose. I don't know if I agree with that entirely. Certainly playing to win and that they looked loose, but I don't know if I agree with the point that they were playing not to lose. I mean, people, they were trying to categorize, well, categorizing Drew as the ultimate game manager. You were you were calling him a dink and dunk. That's a little bit of well, the he, mentality. He, of he was doing that for a little bit. I think we can agree but, on that. But, <laughs> but, that, but that being true, but that goes, I think, hand in hand with 
playing not to lose, right? Because when, I mean, chunk it deep, right? Like that's just the two <laughs> just, variations. <laughs> how ironic is it that that comment is just like <laughs> you, you have this old game tape. Should check it. I should uh, trademark it and put it on a T-shirt. <laughs> I'm I'm shocked it isn't already. I, I, really I know, am. right? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> let's let's flip to the defensive side of the ball. And again, to everybody watching and uh, listening, feel free to hop in the comments section. The defensive side of the ball. I mean, it, there's very little to pick apart from this. I think from when it comes to the first half, as I mentioned, Talia he looked comfortable until about 44 seconds left in the second quarter when he got called for a uh, an intentional grounding play where he was getting sacked and he threw the ball just kind of out of bounds. There was no receiver in the area and he was still in the tackle box. And it was something that they mentioned on the broadcast was a direct quote from Mike Loxley is that he beats himself up so much that he can unravel. And that was a point where if you were watching the game closely, you could see his eyes start to be like, you know, damn it, I screwed up there, you know, got that penalty. And that's where the the wheels started to come off. And also they mentioned on the, the, the broadcast quite a bit that there was no running game for, for, for Maryland whatsoever. What was it? Negative 51 rushing yards altogether? Yeah, that's putrid. Negative 49. It's really bad. Yeah, negative 51. Now, part of that is the six sacks that Taldia took, um, and, and they were big ones, but still – if you're one dimensional, I would get frustrated too. And then in the first half, 20, 22 of 25, not exactly uh, great when you're looking at the defensive backs of Penn State, but then they immediately flipped the switch in the second half, as we have seen all season long. This is a team that consistently defensively will beat you into the dirt in the second half. Uh, shout out to Adisa Isaac. I thought this was the most violent game he has played all season. I don't know what you felt, but like, Every time I looked up, it looked like he was ready to kill somebody just about every single time. And he had his hands close to the quarterback. He was violent. He was making plays left and right. He was breaking through blocking. He was outstanding. Man, that's been my defensive lineman to watch and highlight. I mean, preseason throughout, even the I mean, love chopping everybody else on the defensive line. No part, I'm not partial to anybody, but he's been my breakout player that I've been waiting to see these things happen. I mean, I remember recruiting him out of high school, dynamic basketball player out of Canarsie, Brooklyn, stand up, and just seeing like the development of what he could be, how how bendy he was. He almost looked like an X Men on the football. I mean, on a basketball court in high school, and just seeing him as like a prime. Rusher, I mean, he had the ACL last year and coming into the season and just having those different traits and he was always ultra physical and violent. You're starting to see it to come come together and making game changing plays when that uh when it really unfolds in, in the game, even against Ohio State, just different things that you know, just special plays, man. And it was beyond Adisa. Like Adisa, I thought really stood out defensively. Another outstanding game for Daquan Hardy. I thought the defensive tackles really stepped up in this game. Yeah. You saw a lot of Koziah Izzard. You saw a lot of Devon Elise. Um, Denied Dennis Sutton, as usual, was active. And again, you still have to remember, we talked about it before, no Chop Robinson for this game. And Amin Vanover was questionable. So he was not in this game, I believe. I didn't see him at all. So, I mean, you're, you're down a couple guys, and the way this defensive line played, it got to a point there, Justin, late in the second quarter and then in the second half. You didn't see Manny Diaz having to rush that many guys. Like They were getting home with a four-man rush pretty consistently. 
That's what you love to see from your defensive line, finishing games and putting teams away. I mean, for the box score, 27 to 8, or I mean, 30 to 8 in the second half, that really making the offense one-dimensional and just pinning your airbag and causing turnovers and tackles for losses and really wrecking havoc. I mean, that's when you have an elite defensive line group. And I think that's what we're saying play out. It's It's been really fantastic. I thought Abdul Carter was somebody that this past week I started to see a lot of comments on social media from Penn State football fans kind of like, where's Abdul Carter been this season? And this was, I wouldn't say the first game this season where I felt him be like he was in his freshman year, but it was certainly, I think, his best game. Uh, I don't know what you saw from him and what you can speak to in terms of his progression this year. I think it's been consistent with everybody else this game. I mean, maybe it's an anomaly. Everybody just playing loose. It seemed like he was running around having fun and just like flying around trying to make plays. Uh, the progression this year, I think even last year, he played a little bit more fundamentally sound throughout the, the games, didn't really miss leaky tackles this year. I think maybe pressing a little bit early on, a little bit of preseason hype, you know, a lot of expect. It's different to play with expectations versus being a freshman and whatever thing you do, you just kind of more so lean onto your fundamentals. Sometimes when you're, trying to make the big splash play that everybody say you are you sometimes maybe a little bit out of control on, on, on tackles or things like that. So we starting to see those fundamentals come back to play and you see him make his athletic plays at 6'3", 250 pounds, running in the middle of the field, being able to run, run you down, hit and cover um, tight ends in the backfield and starting to see his special traits that everyone was talking about preseason coming into um, his sophomore year. Oh, and the, it's that external noise. You're wearing that number 11. Everybody yeah, that, under the cool. sun, everybody under the sun has been like, man, he's the next LeVar. He's the next Micah. How do you, how do you not hear that? And I'm not saying it's gone to his head, but like hearing that and it and allowing it to not go to your head and then going out there and it, let's say it didn't. He's got a good head on his shoulders from everything I've heard about him. And then it's like, now you have to live up to that expectation. That's pretty daunting for a true sophomore. It's a little terrifying. I mean, he was number eleven. He picks it out. I think. Yeah, I don't. Uh, these guys sign up for what we sign up for, and I, in the sense of you play, you were number eleven at Penn State. I mean, he knows what comes with it. Like he's on ESPN. There's good things that come with it. So I don't really like the the pressure that you then change your number then. But if you're no, it's fair. Player, and then uh, if you do that, it's like. Mm. <laughs> but that's the, that's just that comes with the territory. So I mean, he can wear it. It wasn't like you changing your number. You're like, I'd like number one, but then you'd have to f- fought Anwar Phillips, <laughs> and that wouldn't work out. Yeah, just uh, like for no reason. <laughs> uh, Lex, getting in here, will Chop Robinson be back for Michigan? Um, I don't have an answer to that, Justin. I don't know if you have an answer to that. No, I don't even know if we'll get an answer to that. Yeah, no, no uh, injury reports in college football. Yeah, it's it's been funny this year because, um, you know, James Franklin has let some things out here and there and that like, oh, Trey Wallace will be back for, uh, I think it was the UMass game. It was like, oh, we're going to have him back for that. And I was like, oh, okay. Like normally he doesn't come out and say some of those things. And then broader questions like when's J.B. Nelson going to be back? It's like it's not a season-ending injury. It's like, okay, so – you kind of have to tune in every single week and see if something slips out, you know, not that he's making mistakes or anything like that. Maybe it's tactical and he just wants some information to be out there. Who knows? But uh, right. hopefully you get Chop Robinson back from Michigan. Um, as we wrap up here, Justin, that is all everybody is focused on now because all of a sudden the events of today, not just Penn State beating Maryland 
in such a sound fashion when I think there are plenty of us worrying about this game to a degree over the past week or two. But also, you watched Ohio State. You know, you look at the final score for them. I think it was 35 to 10 was the final, but if, or 35 to 16, they beat Rutgers in Piscataway. If you watch the game, it wasn't a 35 to 16, oh, we beat them by 19 points. It, it felt like Rutgers put up a pretty good fight. It kind of felt like when Maryland went and visited Columbus and put up a good fight against Ohio State. This Ohio State team is beatable. And uh, granted, Penn State just didn't get the job done a few weeks ago. But it does leave this glimmer of hope in the minds of Penn State fans. It's like, what if this performance against Maryland gets duplicated next week against Michigan and you knock off Michigan and this domino falls and this goes here because it's still just a, you know, 10%-ish chance of making the national, uh, the, the college football playoff. Uh, looking ahead to Michigan, what's a realistic feel for this game? How do you feel about it now? How do I feel about it? Yeah. Um, I feel good. I mean, I feel like any given Saturday, anything can happen. But I, I, again, I feel like we match up well and take care of the run. I think, again, easier said than done. But coming off of this type of victory and just the, di- I mean, the different areas and the diversity that we can attack them from the offensive side and what we possess on defense, I feel like, I mean, Penn State should feel good. We have a, a the, the, the nasty taste from Ohio State is the fact that you're saying they are a beatable team and we did not play up to our standard. Like we didn't, this wasn't the offense we saw against Ohio State. So that's what hurts more so than, hey, how, how great Ohio State is. And I think the same holds true with Michigan. They're a great football team, but I think like they're just not in a different category as we are. So going into the game, we should feel confident in going in and just start throwing haymakers. I mean, because like that's the type of game that they're going to be playing. To Rob's point, Penn State is still in the hunt. Lots of close calls in the top 10 today. If they finish strong, they're still in the hunt. Completely agree. And listen, as we're on the air right now, Michigan is playing against Purdue. By the time we sign off of here, the entire world could have turned upside down. We have no idea. I don't think so, but hey, crazier things have happened. Uh, Thank you all so much for joining us again. Like, comment, subscribe, turn on notifications, and rate us. Uh, We appreciate you guys so much for tuning in for these live post-game shows. We really appreciate it. We will have our preview episode for the huge clash, Penn State versus Michigan, uh, up this Wednesday. Thank you all so much for joining us. Again, the final score, Penn State beats Maryland by a score of 51-15. to Thank you all so much for joining us. This episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter, at TheKing1 and at Tom Hannafin. State of State is presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.